AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Welcome to River Cafe Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. I will tell you something about Stella McCartney. She's been coming to eat for 20 years in the River Cafe, and 99% of the time it has been with Alistair and her children. When not them, then with her sister Mary or brother James, or her father, and the best times are when they are all here together. Stella's mother Linda was, like her daughter, a woman with conviction, imagination, and passion. A pioneering chef, I wish I had known her. Stella is a fashion designer with ethics, a spokesperson for sustainability, a supporter of young designers, an entrepreneur who takes on risks for a cause. We'll talk about food and memories of childhood, ethical eating, cooking, and more. And then we will go into the restaurant and have a late dinner with her four children, her husband, and her sister. (laughs) Oh, Ruthie, thank you for having me. So you're going to read the recipe for... I'm going to read the recipe for chickpea and fennel farinata, and I'm going to do it in my sexiest accent. Mm, Good. Okay, so this recipe serves six to eight people, and for it you will need... Okay, if you've got your notepad and your pencils or your devices, depending on how young and relevant you are. Okay, first of all, you need 300 grams of Italian chickpea flour, one liter of warm water... 100 millilitres of extra virgin olive oil, plus extra for the pan. One teaspoon of sea salt and two tablespoons of fennel seeds, or chopped fresh sage or rosemary leaves. Depending on the season, I would say. You put the water in a large bowl and sift over the flour. Whisk to combine and then add the extra virgin olive oil and salt. Cover and leave in a warm place for at least two hours. This is the time that you can preheat your oven at 250 degrees Celsius. Then you skim the foam from the top of the batter. You pour enough olive oil into a farinata pan to generously coat the bottom and add in the batter. It should be about one to two centimetres deep. Top with fennel seeds or herbs and black pepper. You bake it for 20 to 30 minutes or until the surface has bubbled and has become crisp. And you serve warm. Mm, oh, beautiful <laughs> Just bread. like your heart. Like your heart. Farinata is a street food of Liguria. It's a pancake. It's thin. It's vegan. It's delicious. Have you had it in Italy? I've had it. I know I've had it here. Yeah. And um, I love it because it's always, it's really simple, but really has amazing flavor. I think I always remember the rosemary. Mm. That's kind of how I've had it here. Mm. And I love that it's, you know, it's finger food and everyone can just get stuck in. So everyone just kind of goes for it and grabs it as soon as it's, you know, available. And then if you're too slow, you're too late and you don't get any. It's gone. And then we make you another one. And then we order another one and then we're full. (laughs) 
by the time the main course comes. You know, we have a special Stella menu when you come in. <laughs> we have a menu for you. Yeah, you do. I remember that actually I really felt like I'd finally arrived when I turned up and you had your little vegetarian, vegan mm. menu for me. And I think it goes to show how long I've been coming here because I don't think it was in the days where you didn't have separate menus for vegetarians mm. or plant-based. Mm. And I remember feeling so special that you'd printed out one yeah. For me, and I would always take them home because I was like, oh, these are really good menu ideas. Yeah, and it says menu for Stella. And you have a farm where you grow vegetables and herbs. And tell me, since we were on rosemary and sage and fennel seeds, tell me about your farm. Well, I just came, it's Monday, and I just came back from the farm last night. And it's funny, I grew up on an organic farm, and now I have one of my own. And it was always the vegetable patch that was just kind of the most exciting place to be. And I think it's such an incredible blessing and gift to actually grow up seeing the kind of the seasons in that way and understanding when a lettuce is coming into season or when, you know, when the cabbages and the, the beetroots and just kind of knowing when those things are coming into season is kind of, I find it to be a great gift of knowledge, actually. Tell me about growing up then. Tell me about the farm that you exposure to rosemary and fennel and sage and your mother taking you through that. Was it your mom or was it both of them? Or It was both of them. I think probably a bit more mum. But it's funny because the very early years were actually in Scotland. Mm -hmm. And so we had a tiny little vegetable patch there. And I remember we'd always get into trouble because me and Mary would go down and pick. There were always like sugar snaps and carrots. And we would always kind of nick them and eat them before you could yield any kind of crop off it. Um, and then when we got a bit older, we got the farm in East Sussex and then we had like a proper vegetable patch. Well, it's very touching that you say that you and your sister would go and get a sugar snap pea and a carrot as rather the way somebody might take sweets from the sweet cupboard, yeah. you know, that you actually went to the vegetable And also we park. had horses. So we had, you know, we were always with horses. So it would mm. always be like, right, we'll eat the, the carrot and the carrot heads are for the mm. for the horses. You'd always have this journey between picking it, the soil, the smell, the, you know, your dirty fingernails, that kind of adventure to go out and, and have that process. And then you'd take it up and give the, you know, the carrot heads to the horse and that would be like horse slobbery all yeah. over your hands and like mm. so many different smells as well. I mean, I've worked on creating perfumes and it's yeah. so interesting how smell has really been inspired by food for a lot of the things that I've created. I mean, mm. I, for example, one thing when you're a vegetarian, there's so few moments of kind of extravagance whereas with meat it's so associated with yeah. kind of wealth or, or cost or, or you know there's such a yeah. kind of different kind of relationship and when you're a vegetarian it's literally only truffle season that you're like mm -hmm. right okay this yeah. is like oh this is this moment yeah. and so I did a, a perfume with truffle in it because I just always found that smell it was so it kind of reminded me always of a time of year and just everything associated with it seems so kind of sexy and mysterious and, and incredible. So I think yeah, well, the relationship between food and smell, smell is, yeah. is interesting. Well, when you look at, you know, a carrot or you look at an onion or you look at a piece of spinach, it moves you and you look at the colour. But when you get a truffle, you choose it by the smell. You yeah. just take that, you open the jar and you put it on the table here and we put them out and then you oh, smell them amazing. and it carries you into it another. Literally, it's like a precious yeah, it diamond. Is, it is. It's incredible. It is. Four children. Mm -hmm. A working mother, mm -hmm. a working father, a farm. What was mealtime like in the McCartney Eastman household? It was always together, actually. We always ate together as far as I can remember. 
And it was always either in the kitchen or in the living room, on the sofa in your lap. It was just always what brought us together. You know, I think you will have heard that many times during your podcast. It was the place and the moment where we all reunited and kind of, you know, connected again from whatever we were doing in the day. Also, you know, like we do a lot of road trips when I was young. We'd go up to Scotland in the car, so we'd have like a car-based sandwiches and kind of big sandwich family, but more my American side. Because also in those days, like a British sandwich was butter on a piece of white bread and a slice of cheese. And so very like, you know, layered with like lettuce and pickles and mayo and, you know. So we'd kind of have different moments for food, I would say. It's also so interesting how food has evolved over the years now, because I think being half American, I always got, my mum always really knew and loved food. So we always grew up with extra virgin Mm. olive oil. Did you? But when I read out your farinata recipe, it's like extra virgin olive oil now is kind of known and a given. But I remember, you know, it didn't exist when I was younger. So I find that really fascinating. Also traveling a lot as a child, Mm. we had access to all these different cuisines. And then, you know, we grew up a lot in Arizona. Mm. And so we had a lot of Mexican food growing up. And sweet corn out in, you know, in Long Island and stuff. Interesting. I think that corn, I always say that I grew up in upstate New York. And if we were having corn for lunch, we got it in the morning. And if we were having corn for dinner, we bought it in the afternoon. It was that, you know, they would pick it. It's that immediate. Yeah. And my mum used to have it raw. She loved it so much. She would just have it. And she'd just be like, oh, you wouldn't even boil it. You know, like she'd never put butter on it or salt, nothing. She'd just have it pure. And she came from a, a really interesting family. Tell me about them. So basically, and it's interesting, you know, they came from the Ukraine actually and sort of, you know, f- through Russia to the United States. So I was also kind of exposed to borscht and things like that and coleslaw and pickles, you know, that was, that was something that didn't exist here too. And my grandfather, Lee... Um, became a lawyer. He was a lawyer and sort of really did very well for himself. But he was an entertainment lawyer. He loved creatives. He basically represented all of the abstract expressionists. Mm. So he represented de Kooning and Rothko and Klein and Motherwell and Albers and, you know, all of these incredible artists. So she was exposed to, you know, extraordinary creative talent. And then she was so brilliant. She kind of rebelled and went to the U of A and was just like everyone's too kind of fancy in Harvard and Yale and Smith, and it was all a bit too much for her. And then she became a photographer. And she just, it was amazing. She did Hendrix, she did Otis Redding, Aretha Franklin, the Mums and the Papas. She did, I mean, you know, amazing musicians. And then met Dad, and the rest is kind of history. But yeah. she was very, just a real kind of, just a beautiful, pure soul. And I yeah. think... You know, the two of them meeting and him surrendering into that relationship meant that we, as a family, went into self-isolation at a very early age and thus went up to Scotland and it was just kind of the six of us in a shed. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The experience that you talk about food being that connection, food being the act of love, food being the act of education, is very moving. And then when you left that environment, when you, how old were you when you left home and where did you go? Well, I kind of left home to go to college, to go to St. Martin's. So I got into St. Martin's to study fashion design when whatever age that is really, early 20s. Yeah. And um, I came to live in London and I was lucky that I knew how to cook. You know, I think Mm. watching mum meant that I was a little ahead and that I could always cook. But I remember having my first kind of dinner party when I got a bit older and it was with Naomi Campbell and Donatella Versace. And it was so funny (laughs) because I had them to my house and I made globe artichokes. Mm. And this was good 20 odd years ago. And my mum would always boil a globe artichoke Mm. and she made this amazing dip with olive oil and kind of lemon juice and all these sort of, you know, Bragg's amino acid Maggie. There was like a a sauce called Maggie, like Mm. all these kind of condensed kind of spaces. Yeah, Yeah, but you used to get a liquid. And so I made this globe artichoke and this sauce. And I remember they came around and they're like, what's this and how do we eat it? And I was like, wait a minute, like you're Donatella Versace. You should know how to eat. Like, you know, and I was so surprised And it's funny, that whole kind of, you know, how do you take vegetarian food into being dinner party kind of, you know, worthy? When you've got people around, you want them to come and go, oh, that was asparagus season. Oh, wasn't that delicious? And I think that that you kind of already got to be a little bit more heightened on your offering when you're coming in as vegetarian. When I talked to your father... He talked about being a vegetarian at a time when being a vegetarian wasn't that sexy. It wasn't interesting. It was a bit of a, it was rebellion, but a kind of slightly moral rebellion that made you feel humorless. And I told him the story about going to Cranks with Richard. And (laughs) I just met him and I was all over him, kissing him and hugging him. And, And this woman was giving me really disapproval looks. And she came over to the table and she said, I think what you're doing is terrible, but that you're doing it in a vegetarian restaurant makes it even worse, as if you couldn't have sex and vegetables. But I said to to your father that he has to take the credit 
for changing it. Your mother yeah. and your father, you know, really said you can be rock and roll, you can be wild, you can be yeah. uh, liberal and radical and everything else and, and sexy and have vegetables. Yeah, I would definitely, had I been running cranks, I would have let you have full on sexual intercourse on. on the table in front of everyone. Yeah, I mean, it definitely growing up, it was already hard enough coming into a room as sort of the, the the child of these legends, but then to sort of be at a dinner party and be served a grilled kind of courgette. Mm. It was, you know, the person next to you would look with horror and be like, what are you eating? Like, almost like, what's wrong with you? And why, you know, mm. if you've got an illness, that means you can only eat awful kind of desperate vegetables. And so you would already be apologizing really for your life choice. And then when you went in to sort of explain it, you I was often met with anger you know, defensiveness, yeah. or you were always the brunt of a joke. Like every sitcom or comedy you'd watch on telly, it was like, did I have, oh, I'm vegetarian. Yeah. Like it was always a joke, yeah. which is weird because, you know, obviously being a fashion designer that has shunned fur and leather and feathers and never used animal products, that happened to me also obviously in my industry, mm. which was even weirder because luxury fashion is leather, is mm. crocodiles, right. is fur coats. And I always sort of used to come at it saying, I don't understand why I'm not like the coolest rebel punk rock yeah. person in the room. Because if you're all using fur and you're all using leather mm. and you're all eating meat, then you're the ones that are boring and mainstream. Mm. I'm the one that's like questioning and trying to like, you know, push buttons and kind of challenge convention. And has it changed? Yeah, it has. It has very much changed. And I think it's, you know, largely because people now associate animal agriculture and the farming and animals with not only with disease ridden you know hotbeds which we're you know looking at today with covid and bird flu and bovine and all you know mad cow and all these things but also i think it's a a conversation that that young people the generation of tomorrow just you know most yeah. of them are vegetarian most of them are vegan it's basically a life choice how you eat what you wear how you travel how you consume you know kids of tomorrow just have been thank god educated enough to see that this is just not necessary you can still eat really really well you can have great taste you can still have a community around great food great fashion great you know everything so but I think it is the kids largely and I think also the connection between animal agriculture and the environment has mm. been a big shift for people because now they're seeing it and you know I also think if you give up meat one day a week it's the equivalent to all transport for one mm. week so you just mm. do it one day a week you know like and most people don't eat meat or fish every day in the week now in a world of science and technology and substitutions and ability to create what we want to create in a laboratory what is your feeling about creating meat that is not meat that's a good question I was one of the first people to go to the Impossible Burger as well. And that obviously has done incredibly well and actually is a great success story for plant-based food versus conventional meat. And actually, when you look at the business, that's when I think it, we have a chance at solving the issues because as a business woman, you know that the minute that a plant-based meat, for example, is growing on the stock exchange faster than a real meat, you know you've got something exciting about to happen. So I'm kind of all for it, really. I mean, I also, I'm a huge fan of a film. I don't know if you've seen it called um, Fantastic Fungi. Mm -hmm. And you must watch it if you okay, haven't watched it. It will blow your brains. Tell me about it. Um, it's about mushrooms. I had worked and have been working closely with a company in San Francisco, a tech company that are growing leather 
from mushrooms and the mycelium roots. So that kind of thing is really fascinating, the crossover between food and fashion for me, because I'm literally making handbags out of mushroom. Mm. So those kind of things, I'm all for technology really trying to be an answer to a lot of the problems that we have. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You do so much. I know you do. And still making us all feel like you have time. I I think that's one of the great gifts is a busy person makes you feel that you have time. Richard taught me that. He said, never say you're busy. People used to come up to him at the end of a lecture and say, I'd like to show you my portfolio. Are you very busy? And he went, I'm not that busy. And it's a great quality. But I think you have that, Stella. And who cooks at home? It's changed a lot. You know, as our kids have gotten older, and they're all home at different times and I'm home at different times. They kind of just eat when they get home. And it's kind of either, well, like for example, this weekend I cooked and I cooked so that they had stuff in the week. Because also when you've got vegetarian kids and they go to school, it's normally pizza or pasta. It's kind of, there's no real protein or health involved. And when they go on a play day, it's like, oh, they're vegetarian, give them pasta with tomato sauce. Yeah. So I'm always kind of overcompensating. So at the weekends, I'll cook for in the week for when they get home. So I'll just always do like a big vegetable soup with tons of fresh herbs and loads of beans or like, you know, I did one with quinoa in it this weekend. Mm. So we've talked about the ingredients we cook with and the influences we cook with and the seasons we cook in. Do you have utensils that you particularly like to use? (laughs) I have definitely. I think everyone that cooks has one or two utensils in their kitchen that are so over their sell-by date and they're like knackered and chipped and like, but you just can't throw them away. But one thing I grew up very much with was salad bowls. My mum made a wicked salad dressing. Again, in England, you didn't have salads when Mm. I was growing up. It was literally salad dressing Mm. and like a leaf. We never, that was like the kiss of death in our house. So she would always make these incredible salad. I would say salad was a big coming together because it would be like tossing and you're all eating out of the same bowl. And the last dish out is the best one because it's got all the dressing on it. But um, my mum had 
It was like the sacred thing in the kitchen was this big salad bowl Wouldn't carved nice out him. of one piece of yeah. wood. And she would never let anybody wash it. So you don't mm. have to always just dry it out with some, you know, dishcloth or with some, some paper towel. And for my wedding, my aunt Louise, my mother's sister, sadly my mum had passed away, but she got me as my wedding present a salad bowl carved out of one piece of wood. And so that I would say would be the kind of if the house is burning down, one of the things I would save. And it's I'm exactly the same with my kids. I'm like, if, if I see somebody about to wash it out with water, I'm like, ah, I have to mm. run up and tell them it's sort of illegal to mm. touch it with water. Well, there is that connection for food, isn't it? How you yeah. bring up your children. And I think having, you know, bringing the kids here tonight for dinner, for example, I remember like when the first time we brought them here to the River Cafe, it was like such a treat. We had to get them to a certain age so mm. they'd really kind of acknowledge, you know, how special it was. And so we come here for sort of special occasions. And I think that's good as well to kind of associate food, you know, with different occasions in your life. Those are the memories, aren't they? Yeah. You remember the time. Do you, do you remember going out with your parents to certain restaurants? Yeah. It's funny. I had lunch somewhere today with a friend that you know, Kate Moss, and her daughter, Lila, actually. And we went to a restaurant in the West End. I hadn't been there for years. And I was like, oh, my God, do you remember this restaurant? Can I say the restaurant? Mm-hmm. Chaconi's. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. But do you remember when I was young, I yeah. was explaining to them, I was like, did you come here when it was Mr. Chaconi? And they're yeah. like, no. Yeah. And I was like, we used to go. And it was such a kind of, it was the, that was the equivalent for me as a kid because we'd come up to London rarely. Mm. And when we did, it was like, you know, you'd go and Lady Diana was in the corner <laughs> or, you know, Scylla Black was in the corner. And it was like that. I always remember going there. But yeah, I think... Food is special and restaurants are special, you know, in our family anyway. Yeah, I think that there is a sense of the special occasion. Certainly when I was growing up, it was a special occasion. It was a birthday, it was an anniversary, it was something. We lived in the country miles mm. away from any place. So how did you any get into day. food? I'm sure everyone's uh, asked you this um, and everyone on your well, podcast I a, knows. But. I, I always loved to cook. And, yeah. and but how, from your mum? My mother was not a great cook, actually. She was just a very, she was a librarian, and my father was a doctor, and so they both had jobs. But food was simple, but it was good. And apparently I had a Hungarian grandmother who was a great cook. And it's interesting when you talked about the Eastmans because Mm. it's interesting about immigrants who come to a country and bring the food with them. So I think the first generation on arrival cook the food that they grew up with they they still cook the ukrainian food that you described or polish or my family russian and then perhaps the next generation wants to integrate more with the community but i think it's really interesting we then both have similar heritage Mm, yeah and i think you're right bringing that food with you but also making the most of your ingredients i mean you're talking about quite similar to british ingredients like mm. the root veg from that part yeah, of the, the world beetroots and the borscht Beets and, and you know everything. potatoes essentially yeah. and how you make the most of that how you bring flavor with what you have mm. and then how that grows into the next community it's interesting yeah. So food, if it's an act of love, if it's a memory, and I think of your mother and how she cooked for you and taught you and and talked to you about being careful of the planet and respectful of Mm. animals. And it also is a comfort, isn't it? It's a comfort. So if I were to ask you, as my last question, Stella McCartney, (laughs) what would be your comfort food? God, what's my comfort food? I would say probably pasta. Good bowl of pasta, Mm. probably, because it's still, it's funny, even with pasta, there are different sort of levels of entry 
You know, you mm-hmm. get your kind of dried pasta and that's mm-hmm. that. And then you do the sauce. But is it, you know, your three, four hour simmering tomato sauce yeah. or is it your quick one? Or then is it a homemade rub? You know, you can mm. get up to mm. a truffle kind of homemade mm. tagliatelle here. Yeah. So I would probably go for that last option here for the pasta. Okay, well, we can't have a truffle pasta because they're not in season, but let's go and eat. So we can I'm come starving. back and do that. Yeah, we can come back do and do that, that for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you, Stella. Oh, I love thank you. you for having me. I love it. That wasn't too bad. I was scared, by the way. Brilliant. I've done Desert Island Discs. I've uh, done everything. And here I am, terrified so, well, of my food is Rogers. A, yeah, food is a connection. It's easy. It was nice. Yeah. It was really nice. Thank you. To visit the online shop of The River Cafe, go to shoptherivercafe.co.uk. River Cafe Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.